you're at the intersection of faith and fun. Welcome to the Hangout for Hope podcast. Now, here's your host, Pastor Aaron Lane. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Hangout for Hope, your spiritual pick-me-up that's just the right amount of time for this moment in time. It's great to be with you today. I know here in Columbus, Ohio, it is a gorgeous, beautiful day outside, but it's interesting. It looks beautiful. It looks amazing. It looks like I should just be able to go outside and just do whatever I want. However, it's still cold. And isn't that just the way life is sometimes? You're just like, hey, everything looks amazing, but underneath it all, it's kind of hard. I understand. And here at Hangout for Hope, what we want to do is be that spiritual pick-me-up. Hey, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, just know this. There are a couple things that are always true. Number one, God loves you. Number two, so do we. And we're glad you're here today. So thanks for tuning in. We have a special guest in my office. I'd usually say a studio, but I don't know. I guess my office is kind of a studio at this point. COVID's kind of made it that way. Uh, But here at Advent Lutheran Church, it is our outgoing, what is called LIC student. It is Jaron Summers. Hey, Jaron. Hi, pal. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's uh, I am curious. You're coming to the end of your time here. Your your last time will be uh, with us will be um, May 1st. It's coming up. It's coming up quick. Um, I do have one question that maybe everyone hasn't quite figured out yet. What is LIC? What does that even mean? Yeah, that, so that's a great question. LIC means learning in context. And it's like a mini internship I do for the first two years of my seminary experience. So over the course of my first two years, I spend some time doing, uh, you know, six to 10 hours a week at a local church here in Columbus, where uh, next to my seminary, where I'm going to Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University. The Trinity Lutheran (laughs) Seminary at the Capital University. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, um... In Columbus, I take classes full-time over the course of the two years, and then I do this also as kind of like a mini-internship to get me prepared for my full-time internship the last two years. Fantastic, and and that's been the great thing is um, really having you here, it's it's been great, and obviously for many reasons because it's you, but also because... It's fun to see how you bloom, you blossom. It's it, a lot of people say, "Oh, you're a pastor." You know, one of the biggest things that people have fear of, at least that I've been told that is that, you know, everyone's biggest fear is getting in, up in front of a crowd of people and talking. And yet, that's what you're supposed to do as a pastor, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and so learning how to do that, you know, uh, and be comfortable leading while also worshiping. How's that dichotomy gone where you're not, do you feel like you've, you've learned how to worship while leading worship? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I know, I know many pastors who they don't feel like they're worshiping when they're leading worship. And so they look forward to like synod events or other events where they can just, you know, sit there and worship. Um, and I've had experience with that, especially towards the beginning. I found it really hard, like, you know, being at Advent leading worship, how, how is that worshipful? Whereas, you know, at seminary, we worship every day and I'm just a participant just worshiping. But over time, I really found a way to bring those two together. And I think that's really just being mindful and being in the moment 
which is, and that's something you've really taught me, which is, you know, as long as the gospel's spoken, as long as there's the sacraments, everything's okay. Um, and to me, I really held on to that and taking a moment for deep breaths and really just being in the moment and not really trying to think about a schedule or a set way worship goes, but kind of just letting it happen as God intends it to happen. And that really has been liberating for me. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I, and yes, that's something I learned from one of my supervisors long time ago. So I'm glad, uh, you know, back in the dark ages when I was in seminary. Uh, but uh, but to be able to have that um, that attitude of the way it happens is the way we planned it. And what's even cooler is the way it happens is maybe the way God planned it. I mean, again, we have to allow for the Holy Spirit to go in there because if not, then what are we doing? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So it's been great worshiping with you. Jaron has been uh, with us as part of our worship life here in the last year and a half. Um, obviously a big part of Sunday School. If you follow us at adventelc.org on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, you will see a picture of, just look a little bit on our timeline. You'll see uh, Jaron and another staffer, our digital content manager, Tony, who brings us donuts every week. Yep. Tell me that is not the best fringe benefit. Best. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, Tony goes to Honey Dip Diner right down the road on Kenny Road, uh, just FYI, and they make these donuts, and uh, are they called Bismarck's? Is yeah, that Bismarck's. what they Bismarck's, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I know some people call them Long John's, but I always get forget which one it's supposed to be, but man, they are so good. Cream-filled goodness. It's, it's absolutely horrible for your body, but amazing for your soul uh, on a Sunday morning. So uh, anyway, shout out to Tony for that. You know, um, we've heard a lot from you from preaching. Of course, um, I I will say a highlight for me, um, having you as a student was the time where for the first time in, in 17 years of ministry, um, I overslept and, um, and you had to do the sermon and we had a baptism at that service at the early service of all times. And, uh, I totally slept in and, and I live in about 20 minutes away. And Jaron called me at, at 8.28 with service starting at 8.30. Hey, are you coming in today? <laughs> I, what was it like to make that phone call? You know, it was I it was nerve-wracking, I'll, I'll say, because I, I, I realized that most importantly, I was going to have to probably preach something. And the gospel text for that day was Jesus' teaching on divorce, which is not an easy... <laughs> oh, come on, that's so problem. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I, I called you and I understand that, you know, technology things happen and, um, you know, said a quick prayer. And I just said, you know, Holy Spirit be with me because um, I'm going to be leading this until you get here. And I ended up having to preach off the cuff without any preparation whatsoever. But all in all, I think it went really well. I got a yeah. lot of great feedback from people. And I know they were also very graceful with you and totally understanding, which just speaks to how wonderful Advent is as a congregation. Yeah. So I think it all worked out. And it also helped me as I prepare for being a pastor, you know, realize, you know, things can happen that you don't expect. And so yeah. just constantly being ready. Um, I thought that was really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It was not a lesson that I was uh, hoping to teach you. I was hoping your next supervisor would have to teach you that lesson, but uh, yeah, you're welcome. Uh <laughs> It was, uh, that had never happened to me. And I tell you what, um, I've never been so embarrassed. And then watching you guys with the hymn ending and we're like, okay, it's time for the baptism. Where's pastor Aaron? And here I come running in. It was, um, 
Yeah, that was one I'll never forget either. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. So is there any other, I'm just real curious. Our goal today is to kind of recap a little bit of what you've done. And then also I'm, I'm, I'm really curious and maybe our listeners are too about your call story, um, about how do you, how do you know when you're called by God to do anything? I mean, let alone become a pastor, but but how do we discern, you know, is it my voice saying that I should do this? Is it God's voice? You know, those kind of things. But do you have any other like highlights or, or interesting things that you can think of off the top of your head about Advent that you're going to take away? Yeah. So I, one of the things that really has been following me throughout this journey is just the hospitality mm. and the welcoming atmosphere that Advent has. When Kendra and I first came here, truly, it was just very welcoming and they really embrace their identity as a teaching congregation and have just been very supportive of us. And then when Ezra was born in October, um, they were just extremely welcoming and very supportive of us and very understanding of what we were going through. And um, Advent's just been incredible um, in terms of how welcoming and the hospitality they have. And also their care for the community at large too, which They've done through um, your live nativity yeah. and through um, the drive up ashes and just all kinds of things of that nature. Yep. It's a, uh, I appreciate knowing that, you know, a lot of, I think that's the thing about a congregation. Everyone thinks it's kind of like um, every congregation thinks they're welcoming and every congregation, it's kind of like a person. Everybody thinks they're funny. Yeah. I mean, not everybody, but most people think they're funny. Not everyone's funny. Um, I hate to tell you, some of you are really bad at telling jokes. Um, and that's okay. I am too. Sometimes I think I'm hilarious and my 14 year old daughter will tell me in no uncertain terms. No, I'm not funny, but, um, you know, same thing with church. We, you try to be welcoming, try to show hospitality and sometimes, um, that can be messed up. So it's good to hear that, that you've had that experience here. Um, and we've been, we've been blessed by your guys's hospitality by letting us into your lives as well. It, it's a, it's a, an intimate relationship when you're a member of a congregation, um, you're sharing your joys, you're sharing your sorrows, you're sharing, um, you know, your struggles, um, and you're sharing things that you're pretty certain about that some people may even challenge you on. So, um, it's a risky thing, but, it sounds like it was a risk worth taking for you. Does that sound right? Absolutely. Yes, it was good. I'm glad to hear it. Well, um, I know you probably get this a lot, um, especially being a younger guy. Um, I know, uh, uh, we attended, well, you attend, I attended the same seminary. And, um, in fact, one of my classmates is your direct supervisor. Now that is really cool. Pastor Julie Martin Hudson. Hi, Pastor Julie, if you're listening, um, but one of the things I know I was asked over and over again in seminary was um, why a call to ministry to word and sacrament. So maybe we should back up a little bit. When we say ministry of word and sacrament, um, is there a kind, another kind of ministry? I, I, maybe we should explain that a little. Yeah. So um, there's ministry of word and sacrament and then ministry of word and service. Okay. Um, word and service, usually um, you'll get the title of deacon or there are members of the deaconess community. Um, and really, word and service is about bringing the gospel out into the world through, um, you know, public advocacy or lobbying or, um, you know, nonprofit organizations, things of that nature. Um, whereas word and sacrament is still about bringing the gospel into the world, but as a parish minister, as someone who oversees the sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist, 
and really has more of a parish setting more often than not. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, one of the things that's really neat is that we've, we've gone through a process in the ELCA, um, of going through and saying, okay, we don't consecrate, um, deacons anymore. We ordain them as many other churches are, are into. So we're kind of regulating and getting our, our, the way we term things, the way we do things in line with each other as a part of Christian unity, which is, is really neat. So, uh, minister of word and sacrament. So, so you want to be a parish pastor. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. Candidacy committee. Did you hear that? He said yes, twice, twice. That's right. Um, so, so, when did this begin? I mean, I guess um, I, the people that need to know that there are steps to becoming an ordained uh, minister of word and sacrament. And of course, that means you have to have an undergraduate degree, so a bachelor's degree. Um, does it matter what your bachelor's degree is in? No, it does not. Mm-mm. Wow. So what's yours in? Mine's in social studies education. So I was a licensed teacher to teach um, history and political science from grades 6 through 12 in Indiana. Nice. Okay. So, and interesting, Jaron and I have a similar background. My, my undergrad degree is also from, uh, it, from Capital University, but in elementary education. So uh, mine were just younger, um, and, um, about Ohio history, which I don't think they teach in Indiana. No, no, uh, <laughs> no they don't, they don't teach that. Um, so, okay. So licensed to teach, where'd you go to college? I went to Ball State University, hey. the Harvard of the Heartland. So, um, <laughs> as we call it. it, the Harvard of the Heartland. I love that. That's great. Ball State. Okay. And that's, that's awesome. And th- so, um, then the next step to becoming a pastor is that you, you have dual tracks. You have to be into a seminary and then you have this other thing called candidacy. Yeah. So, so me, the, the academic part, master of divinity, it's a four year master's degree. Um, so you have all your academics. Now what, what's candidacy? Yeah. So candidacy, I go through my synod, which is the IK synod, Indiana, Kentucky synod. Um, and there's three steps to that. There's entrance where I interview and they say, yes, we think that you could end up in ministry and we'll support you. Or they could say, no, ministry is not for you. And you either get waitlisted or you just get rejected. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you get endorsement where they uh, midway through. So your second year of seminary, the candidacy committee meets with you and says, we want to see that you're learning and progressing and that. Um, you still have a heart for ministry, and then they'll accept you or reject you or waitlist you again. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, they will um, come to determine whether you should be ordained or not. Um, and then that'll be your final step towards your fourth year of your seminary program. And then after that will be your ordination. Whew. Boy, that's a lot of steps. And really, just so you as a listener understand, you really uh, can get tripped up any part of the way. And when you do... Uh, it's, it's very difficult. There's a lot of what we would call flaming hoops, uh, that you go through, but it's on purpose. Um, you know, the scripture tells us that those who teach and those who preach will be judged more harshly. And so, um, we really want to make sure that theology is right. We want to put healthy people, um, out into the world. Um, not because they're healthy and an example, you know, shining example to follow, but because, you know, we don't want to become like Peter was at that one point in scripture where Jesus says, you have become a stumbling block. And remember, P- 
Peter was called a stumbling block right after he confessed Jesus as the son of God. So, you know, it's one of those things where we really want to be very intentional about who we're putting into pulpits and who we are going out to represent um, Jesus Christ. And it's not exclusivism. It's just intentionality. That's really a big big thing. Um, so I'm so glad so far, so good. You've passed, you know, two out of the three with candidacy, right? Entrance and endorsement. Um, and now you're, you're finished up your second year of seminary and now you're going on to internship. And where is that again? That'll be at Holy Trinity Lutheran church of Upper Arlington. So literally five minutes down the road from, from Advent. All right. Well, I guess we'll still have to meet at that Thai place on Lane of Avenue. Of course. Yeah, yes. the Thai place is way to go. Boy, I tell you what, if you have not been to Thai's Asian Bistro on Lane Avenue and you have $10 burning in your pocket, don't worry. Spend that $10 and get a plate that will serve you for what? I'd say two or three meals. Two or three. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's huge. It's just huge. So anyways. All right. So uh, today's call story. Uh, that's really our focus today. And it's interesting because... Knowing your story, so many of us are going through life and we're trying to get to that next chapter. Part of seminary is trying to understand who you are as a person in ministry and also understanding your call story. So um, can you explain to us or maybe uh, just just tell us the story of how you felt God's pull, that tug, or, or was it an audible voice? I mean, how did you get to the point where you're like, yep. I'm, I know God wants me to be a pastor. Yeah. So that was, it was an amazing journey. Um, Mm. I grew up originally attending a church, uh, Church of the Nazarene, which was more of an evangelical fundamentalist church. Mm -hmm. Um, And it scarred me spiritually in many ways um, and had a bad experience. And so I left church and I was unchurched until college. Wow. Um, uh, From eighth grade until college, I dropped everything I'd ever learned. And I said, I just wanted to know what, I always believed in God. I just didn't know how to understand God. Um, And so I dropped everything I knew and just started reading all about all of the religions in the world, reading different religious texts like the Quran and Bhagavad Gita and all kinds of things like that. Um, And then there was something tugging in me at the very beginning of college. I had friends who were Christian Mm. and there was something captivating and I couldn't put my finger on that. Um, And so I came back and said, you know, I got the courage and said, maybe Christianity didn't have to be what my experience was in the beginning. Maybe Christianity could be different and more loving and more grace-filled than what I grew up with. Um, And that ended up up being the case. Um, I was dating my wife at the time, and we made a list of uh, 10 churches to attend. Um, The first church was Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Muncie, Indiana. Um, I was just drawn to Lutheran theology and Lutheran worship. Um, And so I just said, you know, let's try this out. We went there one Sunday and we never checked out any of the other churches. We attended there every Sunday until I went to seminary. Wow. You knew it just kind of happened that way. It just kind of happened. Um, And really it was just, you walked in, you felt the love of God and you felt the love of Christ. And like you could feel Christ's presence. Like these people were truly living out their beliefs. It was a loving congregation. Um, you know, I didn't walk in, they weren't instantly asking me for donations or they weren't, you know, asking (laughs) when were you saved or anything like that. It was, you know, truly like, Hey, welcome. Let's teach you about Christ. Um, and Kendra and I were both baptized there and we were married by the pastor. Um, the church I grew up in did not believe in, did not practice infant baptism very often. So 
Um, I was baptized as an adult. Um, and then after being baptized and married, uh, throughout that time, we just got very, very involved, my wife and I. Um, so we, I was on uh, council. We were on numerous committees together. We were helping to plan before I left for seminary, thinking about youth involvement. Oh. We were thinking about different ways to help grow the church and do community outreach. We got really involved. Wow. Um, yeah. And so at that point, we were planning a building renovation and we did a spiritual retreat um, in, at, a, at a campsite and they asked me to preach there. Oh, and wow. I'd never preached a sermon before. And so I preached. Um, wow, that didn't drive you away. You're, no, you were all over it. I was okay. all over it. Yeah, I thought that, yeah. you know, what a great opportunity. Okay. Um, and they asked me to preach. And so I preached. And then, you know, I, looking at people's faces, they got this look in their eye. And at the very end, almost everyone came up to me and said, you know, that was a great sermon. Have you thought about pastoral ministry? Wow. And I said, no, I haven't thought about that because, you know, I was still on track to be a teacher. Um, and I, that, that planted something in my mind. Mm. Um, and mm. then I went on, I was doing student teaching and I was doing substitute teaching. And, um, what I realized is that during the day, you know, 10 out of 10 times, I wished I was doing work at the church and I loved working. I loved teaching, but there was something about being at the church that meant a lot to me. Mm. And I was teaching at a inner city school in the Rust Belt in Indiana. Hmm. And, you know, a lot of these kids, I remember I was lecturing on the French Revolution. And a lot Everyone's of favorite topic. Yes. Everyone's <laughs> exactly. favorite topic. And these kids were absolutely enthused. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure they were. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of these kids, um, they their main dream in life was to be a manager at a restaurant or at a McDonald's or to... Um, you know, stay, they were going to stay in their community and they wanted to, they weren't, their main goal in life wasn't to learn history and then apply it. They were, mm -hmm. a lot of these kids were just trying to survive. Sure. And so I ended up ministering to them. Now in a public school, you can't bring up God or Jesus and stuff, but ministering to them into a way, you know, kids who had suicidal ideations, who were wow. being abused, you know, just coming to me and finding me and just talking to me on their lunch breaks or anything wow. and just being there for them. And that really lit my soul on fire. And then being at the church, I got more involved with ministry and that set my soul on fire. And they kept, you know, just being there in that ministry position, you know, at school, but also at the church just set my soul on fire. And I was asked to preach some more and more and more often people were saying, you know, have you considered this? Mm. And in the Lutheran church, we call that our external call. Right. You know, people, it wasn't so much a feeling inside me that would be internal call. It was external call. People mm. saying, hey, this is someone displaying leadership skills, displaying gifts for ministry that we think would benefit Christ church. And more and more people said that. And I eventually made the decision, yeah, well, let's give minute, let's give seminary a try. Yeah. I would much rather be at the church than in a public school. Not that I didn't like teaching, but there was something about teaching the gospel that mm. really called to me. And that was more an internal call. So I had that external call and an internal call. And I remember telling people like the first person I told was my wife. I said, Hey, you know, what if, what do you think about me going to seminary? And she's like, well, about time. I thought that since I first <laughs> met you. 
<laughs> they they always know before we know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, that's always the way it happens. <laughs> uh, and it was the same with my parents and my grandparents. They said, you know, well, it's about time. And I said, why didn't you tell me? And they said, well, we wanted you to figure it out for yourself. So, wow. Um, I came and there's to something to that. There is something yeah. to that. Yeah. 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 Um, and there, you know, I just went to seminary and I started and now I'm going on my third year. Wow. And truly, I like this is the first time in life I know I'm I am where I should be at. Um, I don't feel like I'm faking it or forcing something to happen that shouldn't be. I feel like, you know, just with everything God's brought me through and where I'm at, I feel like I'm truly at where I need to be. Yeah, you seem like you're in a rhythm. Yeah. You really do. It seems like, you know, as you've, as I have seen you as a supervisor grow in the last year and a half, uh, you seem more comfortable in your own skin. Um, and, and it is, it's interesting. I mean, one of the first things that many people are taught uh, is to not talk about certain topics in public. Yes. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about religion. Don't. And here you are standing up in front of people doing a scary thing and talking about not just religion, but Jesus, the yeah. gospel. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's really, and so, and being able to use those teaching skills that you, you probably acquired in undergrad, I'm sure that was probably helpful. It was really helpful. And yeah. I, I am very thankful that God led me through that route mm-hmm. because now I can, I approach teaching the gospel in a way that would be effectual for adults or older youth. And now I'm, I'm working on skills with teaching it to the younger kiddos, but um, teaching, you know, those middle schoolers, those high schoolers, um, that's been a real gift. And I think they're the ones who need the gospel the most and oh, where we're at in society right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and studies will show to back up what you're saying, you know, studies will, will show us that 18 to 35 year old, um, age range is usually the biggest gap that we see in, in many churches. And so, you know, my question isn't really, what is the age gap, you know, 18 to 35, but why is that the gap? Um, and, and, you know, I get part of it. You're out on your own religion. Isn't always, you know, the top of everybody's list. You're trying to understand who you are as a person. And, um, I would hope that spirituality would be a part of who you are as a person, but it does lead me to, to wonder what was happening in the years as far as if they were involved in ministry, 17 years old, 16 year olds, 15 year olds, what was it that when they got out on their own at 18, that it didn't seem to stick? Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I don't, you know, only God knows truly. Right. Uh, But from my own experience, you know, I'm 24 years old and people in my generation, you know, they're very spiritual. Mm -hmm. They're very, they're not religious as in belonging to like a mosque or a church or a synagogue, but they're very spiritual. They believe in God, Mm -hmm. but they can't really put their finger on, you know, who God is or what God's doing. Um, And I think a lot of that is that the church has hurt people in the past. And unfortunately there's that, there that turns into a narrative and the media jumps on it. Um, And, you know, growing up in more exclusive churches, churches that aren't as welcoming to youth um, that can have a pretty big impact on people. Well, and even in your experience, we've seen where you as a young person giving a leadership role as much as not just being an acolyte, not that there's, there's no small roles, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Like in theater, there's no small roles, you know, kind of thing. But, um, but to be given the responsibility to preach. Yeah. Um, not only I'm sure does that 
that nerve wrack you, but also honors you. It does. To be able to do that. And so. I think the church and Advents moved in this direction a lot. But there are a lot of churches, I think, that's, that, that have this sort of ageism about, you know, if you're a youth, well, you need to be an adult to do these kind of things. And, you know, I think if, if Jesus tells us in the Gospels to become like children, yeah. then we probably should be listening to the children. And what are they telling us about God? Because I know a lot of youth, a lot of kiddos, specifically younger ones, who have an amazing connection with God, but no one's listening to them. Right. And I think that's something the church can really focus on and give trust these kids with responsibilities and with proclaiming the gospel because it, it really does make a difference. Absolutely it does. I know just watching some of our youth obviously minister to us through their vocal music. Yeah. Um, you know, and that is that is them proclaiming uh, as much as it is if Jaron or I are preaching, um, it, it that is proclamation as much as dancing is, or we don't really dance here in the Lutheran church. That's not our jam. Uh, you know, uh, even raising our hands up in the air sometimes could be um, really weird. Um, that just feels different. Um, that's not the kind of uh, worship style that we bring to the table. And that's great that others do. And I think that's the thing that I was really drawn to with Lutheranism is that we understand that there are some things that we do really, really well. Like I will say that we're really good at theology. Yes. We're really good with that. Um, we're really good with service. Um, you know, our, literally our slogan is God's work, our hands. I mean, that's, that's the ELCA's tagline. And, and we try to live into that as much as we can. Um, I think, you know, we should be able to, the church needs to leave the building every once in a while. Um, I think that's that's still needed um, in our denomination, and other denominations do that exceedingly well. So we can learn from them, and they can learn from us. So it's neat to hear your journey through different religions, through different denominations. One of the things that I heard you say was that you were you were drawn to the Lutheran way of of going about being church. What what can you explain that just a little bit? What what drew you in on that? Absolutely. Well, I. First of all, um, just the amount of, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, the amount of focus the Lutheran Church places on grace mm. really captivated me. And I know there are a lot of churches that focus on grace and that it's pretty universal in the Protestant Church, but there's just something unique about how Lutherans go about it and mm. the fact that it is uh, an entire way of life knowing that there's nothing I can do to get on God's good side. Jesus took care of it all. And, you know, it is entirely by grace alone through faith that um, I can come towards God and experience God. Um, and that focusing on grace, you know, those five solas that we talk about, grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, um, you know, all of that just really captivated me. And the Lutheran theology, I think, is absolutely amazing. I love the sacraments. Um, that's something I did not get in my childhood. You know, experiencing sure. Christ physically in the Eucharist, in the bread and the wine is something that means more to me than almost anything else. That's just, that that's what gets my engines going. Um, and I just love it. And it makes me experience God every Sunday. And I don't think there's anything better than that. Um, same with baptism, our understanding of baptism. It's not just, you know, a symbol, but it's God truly working through the waters and God is there. Um, and I just think that's so powerful. 
and um, the ELCA is very ecumenical, which I love. They do a lot of interfaith work, which mm -hmm. I appreciate. Yep. Um, and just being church, there's this idea that, you know, if if we can treat each other, ah, gosh, that's, that's okay. Um, that's okay. You know, if we can be a church that shows God's love for the world, you know, I think that's truly amazing. Because I know a lot of churches that are focused on, you know, let's bring people into this club, right? Let's right. bring people into this country club. Right. Um, and, you know, if you're saved, you get the secret pass, right? That gets you into heaven. And, um, you know, that'll keep all of those losers outside. Right. And something I think the Lutheran Church really does is say, hey, it's not about saying a magic prayer. It's not about doing good works to get on good side. It's truly about, you know, taking this good news we have that Christ has loved us from the beginning and there's nothing we can do to change that and taking it not in, just into our churches, but out into the world. Yeah. That's, uh, it's powerful. It's extremely powerful. And, and what I love about the way that you went about that, I mean, I heard a lot of Romans, you know, for those of you who are like, well, where is this in the Bible? Romans 8, I mean, Jaron almost just quoted it. I mean, it was, it was a little like the message Eugene Peterson would have been proud, but you know, uh, and same thing with, uh, Ephesians chapter two. I mean, those are really some bedrock understandings of the way that our, we go about theology, about understanding God, um, and about sharing God. And certainly, I mean, just FYI for all of you listeners out there, Martin Luther was number one, he would be mortified if there was a church named the Lutheran church, he would just be absolutely mortified. So he wasn't out there for ego, although sometimes he was kind of, you know, you know he had some attitude issues um, and not everything that came out of his mouth was gold. But one of the things that I really appreciated him saying was the gospel in a nutshell is John three sixteen, yes. which is something that, you know, I, I don't know if people, when they think John three sixteen, they think Lutheran, but he's the one that said, no, seriously, like all the Bible kind of like right here. Now I would argue it's John three sixteen and 17. Yes. We could, I would debate Luther on that. And I'm sure I would be a little shell shocked because you know, it's Martin Luther. Um, but he does like to argue. Um, if you've ever read anything of Martin Luther's, he would have been a great lawyer. His dad would have been proud because he's great at arguing. But Jaron, I think the way that you said it, um, that draws, I'm the same way. It drew, it really drew me in, um, to feel that Lutheran theology that way. Um, and I'll be honest, I was, for me, I was a cradle Lutheran. I was Lutheran because, well, just FYI, it's a little bit of a funny story. I'll tell you a little bit of it. And that is my uh, mom uh, it was Lutheran and her mom was Lutheran. Now, how did her mom become Lutheran? Well, because my great grandparents, there was a Lutheran church on one corner in Ironton, Ohio on sixth street. And there was a Catholic church on literally the opposite corner uh, in Ironton, Ohio on sixth street. And one day my grandfather who was, or my great grandfather who was a staunch Catholic uh, said, I'm not feeling well. Why don't you take Rita, my grandmother, um, to the Lutheran church, uh, or I'm sorry, to church today. And so my great grandmother being a German Lutheran, um, didn't want her daughter growing up as a Catholic. And so she went to the Lutheran church that day and said, will you please baptize my daughter Rita so that she won't be Catholic? Now that's not the right reason to get <laughs> baptized. Okay. I'm not suggesting that. And, and there's nothing wrong with being Catholic. I know that's weird to hear a Lutheran maybe say that for some of you, but I'm, 
Jesus loves them too. Okay. So let's, let's get off this whole, uh, reformation allergy, uh, that we're on. You know, I think we have a pill for that and it's called grace. So, um, but, but that's how growing up, I grew up Lutheran because I was part of that heritage. I have to be honest, Jaron, I didn't really understand Lutheranism. I'd gone through catechism. I'd grown up Lutheran, but I, I, I got the Jesus thing, but I didn't really understand theology, quote unquote, I'm making air quotes. This is great on an audio podcast. So, um, so I'm with you like that exploration for me, it didn't come into clarity until I actually went to seminary mm. and going to seminary. I was like, what? Oh, Oh, like it was like, it wasn't like a light bulb over my head. It was like multiple light bulbs going over my head. And so I encourage all of you, if you have questions, just like Jaron's uh, last sermon here at Advent, which you can find on youtube.com slash Advent Lutheran Church, or just go to adventelc.org and click on our YouTube page. But you can see with Jaron's last sermon that doubts are not opposite of faith. And and what if you said something, there is something that's opposite of doubt. What was that? Uh, certainty. Certainty. certainty yeah. Wow. So why is that? Just real quick. I mean, because that seems to be part of your story. Yeah. So for me, a lot of people equate faith with certainty. Mm. If, if I doubt at all and I'm not certain, then I can't be faithful. Yeah. And to me, I think that that couldn't be further from the truth. And I think the gospel show us this, especially with I preached on Thomas. Yeah. But even, I mean, all of the disciples don't get it ever especially in the gospel of mark um (laughs) but you know i the opposite of faith is certainty and doubt and faith go hand in hand and i you can i would love to hear where you've doubted in your life but in my life doubt has led me to a more intimate relationship with god that i wouldn't have gone anywhere else if i had just hung on to that faith that was passed down to me in my childhood i would not be where i'm at today that my doubt led me to understand other religions, but more importantly, understand what God has given us through Christ. And that faith, that doubt has led me to greater faith that I could have never imagined just, you know, accepting without any questioning. Interesting you say it that way, because that's really what I saw in the Doubting Thomas story is Jesus wouldn't have shown up that day again to all the disciples if Thomas hadn't doubted. Yeah. And so what's great is that we have a God that doesn't shy away from our doubts, but a God who says, oh, you're doubting. I'm going to show up yes. and I'm going to be with you even through your doubts, even though you're doubting, I'm going to be with you. Not to, not to point a finger and say, ha ha wrong. Cause that's not what Jesus did. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't come and, and yell at Thomas. He invited him yeah. to get even more intimate and touch him. I mean, that to me, that's, that's super awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've doubted and, and I think, I think that's important because, um, for me and I grew closer because of that doubt. I know when my mom passed away, um, she passed away suddenly. Um, she was alive at 11 o'clock in the morning on Monday, Thursday in 2014. And then she was, she had passed away at 11 o'clock PM, um, that same day. And, so I did take Monday, Thursday and good Friday away, but then I got up and I preached Easter and how do you get up and preach Easter after just losing your mom where I was, you know, for me, Jaron, I was, uh, praying to God saying, Hey, look, I'm a pastor. Imagine the stories I could tell if you save her, you know, all these things that I can do for you 
you know, I was, I was wheeling and dealing, man. Abraham had nothing on me. I was a used car salesman. I was selling, selling, selling. And, uh, and then she passed away. And so, you know, it was, it was very difficult for me to preach resurrection, um, that Sunday because I was so upset with God for not saving her. I was so upset with God in that time. Um, and it, and it wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm a pastor and I'm preaching Easter. All oh, this is great sermon material. Well, yes, but, uh, I, I never preached a more real sermon uh, than that Easter sermon. And, and I preached Christ, preach Christ resurrected, even in the midst of my own doubt. Yeah. And over time, I've noticed that, um, God really was doing a new thing, obviously for, for my mom. He, God wasn't against my mom. God was doing something new for her. And God was doing something new for myself and my dad, because my dad and I have never been super duper close, but we've grown closer since the eight years that she's passed. And the same thing for me is I've grown closer to God. I've done, I'm much better. I hate to say it this way, but I'm much better at funerals now because I understand the grief um, in a more intimate way. And so God's teaching me something new. And God was teaching me, Aaron, my grace is enough. My grace is enough. It's enough for your mom right now. And it's enough for you. Accept it, embrace it. And and that was something that God really worked on my heart with. And uh, I'm so glad that God didn't give up on me, um, even in the midst of doubts. And and what you say is true for sure, Jaron. God doesn't give up on us. Um, that's evidenced in Jesus Christ, evidenced over and over again. So I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit brought you here. Um, I'm so glad that Julie, uh, Pastor Julie, uh, listened to the Holy Spirit and assigned you to our congregation here at Advent, uh, this family of faith. Um, it has been truly a pleasure. Thanks for being on Hangout for Hope today. Um, it's been amazing. Do you have anything else you want to say for uh, prosperity's sake here? Do you want to, anything, any last words to the audience? Yeah, I would just, for one, like to thank Advent for all that they've done and for helping me grow. I feel more confident than I ever have in my calling, and I feel more firm than I ever have, and Advent's just been wonderful, and I love all the people at Advent, and I'm just, I'm going to miss them, but I will continue praying for them, and I just thank them for all they've done. And I want to thank you for all you've done too and for just being an amazing supervisor and mentor. And uh, we'll definitely be keeping in touch for sure. For sure. For sure. And especially just being on the other side of town, I I have a feeling there might be some bridge ministry happening. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Yes. God willing. (laughs) God willing and the creek don't rise. That's right. Well, everybody, thanks again for being here for Hangout for Hope. Uh, Thanks for sticking with us on this podcast. It's been a blessing to have you with us. We're going to be, again, doing some different things on Hangout for Hope. We're going to be doing interviews. You're going to hear sermons. Next week, uh, you are going to hear a sermon done by the bishop, um, uh, Bishop Greg Palmer, Uh, of the United Methodist Church, who is going to be preaching here at Advent on Sunday, May 1st. Uh, He is going to be preaching at an ecumenical service uh, put on by the Race Relations uh, Committee uh, of the Southern Ohio Senate of the ELCA. And so we're going to have bishops from the Episcopal Church, from the Methodist Church, and the Lutheran Church, the ELCA, coming together to do a ministry uh, ecumenical service based in baptism. So should be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Of course, you're welcome to attend if you listen to this before May 1st. But if you listen to it after May 1st, 
Well, then what are you doing? Turn it into the next podcast and you'll hear it right then. So this is Pastor Aaron Lane. Thanks for tuning in. And I'll remind you to take care to give care in the name of the one from whom all blessings flow. Have a wonderful rest of your day.